Welcome to the Perfectly Preserved Podcast. I'm your host, Jenny Gomes. And I'm Anna Cash. Here, we come together to bring you a podcast all about preserving food safely, easily, and dare I say perfectly at home. We are master food preservers, moms, wives, and we love talking about canning. We've decided the world needs a podcast that shares up-to-date, modern, safe information about canning, dehydrating, freezing, freeze-drying, and more. We answer listener questions, teach beginner and intermediate techniques, and share our very best tips for preserving successfully. We'll show you how to find trusted recipes, sources, and more so you never have to second-guess your preserving practices again. Ready to can like a master preserver? Let's get into today's episode. Welcome back to the Perfectly Preserved Podcast. I'm Jenny, and I'm here with my co-host, Anna. And today, we are talking about a very special type of preserve that every mom in America loves, fruit leather. So fruit leather is something that you can make at home very easily, and both Anna and I have made it. Anna, I think, has made it more successfully than I have. Uh, I've made a lot of it. And I have felt like I haven't quite nailed it down quite as well as Anna has. And also, Anna, I think, has made it in flavors that you could take, you know, to the adult office lunch, you know, the lunch space and really impress your coworkers with this fabulous flavor combinations. So Anna is going to teach us tools, the steps, the best fruit combinations, some amazing recipe ideas to get you guys started and the best ways to store your fruit leather. Anna, take it away. What tools do we need to make amazing fruit leather this season? Okay, so I am excited to talk about this because we love fruit leather at our house. And it's one of the few snacks that my kids just go for all the time. So I think let's start out with tools, you said. So the best tools really to have are a good blender. Mm-hmm. Because I like my fruit leather to be kind of smooth. So just depending on what type of fruit you're using, you'll want to blend it up really well. And then you'll also want a dehydrator with fruit leather trays. These are specific for dehydrators and each dehydrator should have the option, whether it comes with a couple trays or to purchase extra trays for fruit leather. I have a round dehydrator. It's the, I believe it's the Nesco Garden Master. And I purchased extra fruit leather trays. So now I can do up to 10 trays of fruit leather at a time. So folks, if you are listening to this and you're feeling super excited to start making fruit leather this season and you don't have a dehydrator, Anna and I have an episode all about dehydrating foods that you can listen to. And in it, we tell our listeners, that we both have uh, very similar dehydrators, and it's the Nesco or American Harvest, which are, I think one was bought out by the other. Anna, you can correct me if I'm wrong there. But what's important to look for in a dehydrator when you're shopping is that there is a temperature dial, not just low, medium, high. But if you can adjust the temperature, that's a really great feature. And like Anna said, that if you can get one that has the trays that are specific for fruit leather. That's essential for this fruit leather project, of course. Anna, can you tell us what kind of blender do you use? And I wanted to ask, have you ever used an immersion blender? Ooh, so I have a Ninja blender. One of these days, I will get a Blendtec or a Vitamix. 
but I love my Ninja. It actually does really, really well. And some of these fruits that I'm going to talk about, I definitely like cook them down a little bit with some sugar. And then I would use my immersion blender for that. So I don't have to like pour super hot fruit into a blender. I, I find that the immersion blender is a really great tool. Thanks for bringing that up, Jenny. That's a really great tool also. Okay, perfect. So other than the dehydrator and the blender, is there anything else you need to make fruit leather? The other things, it's not necessarily a tool, but you're going to need some cooking spray and you're also going to want some parchment paper or wax paper. And that's for after you take the fruit leather off the trays. And we'll talk about that in the storage aspect. But those are the two extra things that you're going to want in addition to like any other flavorings that you might want to add. And we'll talk about that next. Okay, perfect. Okay, so what are the steps to making fruit leather? What what do you do? How do you make amazing fruit leather that your kids are going to gobble up and you're going to want to snack on out of your purse in the supermarket? <laughs> okay, so it depends on the fruit. Like I said, there are certain fruits like apricots that are one of the first fruits of the season here in northern Utah. And what I do is when I'm making jam, I also at the same time make fruit leather. So when I'm going through my bucket of apricots that I've just picked, I will split them in half, take the pits out, and then either put it in with the jam apricots or the fruit leather apricots. I like to save the really, really soft apricots for fruit leather, and I throw them right into my blender. Ah, okay. So so we have several episodes that talk about why you would want the more firm fruit for jam, and it has to do with having more pectin. Okay, so be sure to check out our episodes about pectin and best tips for jam making, dear listeners. So you just are at the same time, you're going through all your fruit and the firm stuff you're saving for jam and the really soft stuff you're saving, you're just tossing straight into the blender ready to be blended up for fruit leather. That's genius. Okay, keep going. What do you do next? So then at that point, I a lot of times will add a little bit of lemon juice or citric acid if I don't have lemon juice on hand. And that helps preserve the color of say like a bright colored fruit like apricots or peaches. The darker fruit, I don't really care as much. And and honestly, you don't have to do it, but it's just an insider tip that I'm giving you guys to add a little bit of lemon juice, a little bit of water, and then blend that up again because it will preserve that color that you really like. Sure. And then could you like for one blender full, about how much citric acid would you do? Like a teaspoon? I would do probably a tablespoon of lemon juice and maybe half a teaspoon of citric acid. You don't need a ton. So you would probably barely taste it, I'm guessing, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. Like you, it would taste a little bit tart, but apricots, when they're that ripe, are very sweet. So it might be a welcome tartness that you would add into. And also, if you don't do that, what can happen is as you're dehydrating it, it can turn kind of like a darker orange or brownish color. And it's not the best color, not the most appetizing. A burnt sienna, like that crayon, the burnt sienna color. Like it's, it is not going to be the same color as yes. the fruit roll ups in the other lunch boxes at the lunch table that your other kids are sitting next to, right? Like the citric acid helps keep that color that 
I mean, it shouldn't matter and it doesn't matter what color the fruit roll-ups are, but it kind of does, right? It helps encourage your kids to eat the stuff that you're sending to school. If you are a lunchbox person, uh, my kids are always lunchbox kids. I mean, I send their lunch to school. And I think if you just adding a tiny bit of that citric acid helps keep them eating what you're sending. Yeah. And you eat with your eyes first. I mean, they it makes it more appetizing to have something that's beautiful. So yeah, for one batch in the blender, I will add a tablespoon of lemon juice, sometimes a little bit more. And then I will take my fruit leather tray and spray it really good with cooking spray. I, I try not to do too much because the flavor of the cooking spray can sometimes get onto your fruit leather, but just a light coating but make sure that you get every part of your fruit leather tray. Otherwise you'll be like picking it off and it's annoying. There's like a funny little balance that you have to get just right. And then you pour the puree onto your fruit leather trays. I like to have it be about, oh, maybe like a quarter inch thick. And then at this point you can either add maybe like a, For me, when we do apricots, I love this, but I sprinkle a little bit of tahine flavoring, which is like a chili powder, lime thing. Uh, You can get it in the Mexican food aisle of your grocery store or order it online. And it just gives it that little bit of heat and a little bit of tart. And my kids love it. That is incredible. Okay, such a genius idea. So did you say that you're cooking your fruit puree? And if so, how long? Or tell me about that. Do you ever cook any fruit puree before you put it on the trays? Yeah. So there are a couple fruits that I usually cook for a little bit before I puree them. And the first one is plums, just to soften up the skins. And a lot of times I will add a little bit maybe of honey to the plums, depending on how tart they are. And then I think strawberries, I also cook down a little bit. I like them to be a little bit softer when they go into the blender. Otherwise, they will have like big chunks of raw fruit. And I like it to be a little bit more smooth. Okay. So you cook plums and strawberries, but nothing else? Usually everything else is raw? Yeah, like soft peaches I will just throw in the blender. I'm trying to think of what else I've done. It's mostly for me, it's mostly apricots, peaches, plum, strawberry. I did see that somebody was doing like grape flavored fruit leather, and I was interested to try that this year, but I have not done that. Have you done that, Jenny? So the fruit leather I've done was essentially applesauce. I like just sauced apples on a tray, and I've done it with grapes mixed in. And I felt like the grape flavor was sort of lost, but both the grape and the apple had been cooked. So I I wonder if I had kept the grape fresh, if I wouldn't have saved some of that good taste. But now that I'm saying that out loud, I kind of wonder. So I always have conquered grapes where I live. To me, the delicious grapey taste is in the skin. So I'm not uh-huh. sure. I'm not sure if how that would end up. Maybe the flesh still would have that grape taste. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. And also like you should have like a book that comes with your dehydrator. So maybe they have like some good suggestions or ideas for that. When I cook the plums, I usually cook them down for maybe like 
15 minutes, not that much. Same with strawberries. Sure. And also good to know is when you're cooking, whatever you're cooking down, that is going to darken that. That's going to become a dark brown or a rusty color, uh, some sort of darker brown color, which maybe your kids aren't going to care. But that isn't going to be that vibrant hot pink color that packaged, store, you know, trash fruit roll-ups are. So that's just something to keep in mind. Right. And I think I'll link, there's some really great natural food coloring that I'm going to try this season. And I think this would be a cool food to try the natural food coloring powder in just, just to see if it would, uh, I guess, translate really well in, into fruit roll-ups just to, just to see. My kids are big enough. Like I think we're past like me quote needing to do that, but, but it might be neat to see if it would work really well. But I can link that in the show notes. (laughs) And now a quick word about our courses. Want to learn more about canning? Check out our video courses. Anna's beginner and advanced canning courses are available at smarthomecanning.com. And Jenny teaches a variety of courses, including the super fast steam canning course at startcanning.com. Use code POD25 to get 25% off those courses today. That's code POD25 to get 25% off today. Okay, so you pour yeah. it on quarter inch thick and then what? So then my my dehydrator has like a timer setting on one of them and then the other I just have to check. So depending on how many trays there are, usually the bottom trays will get a little bit done before the top trays. So I will uh, maybe once throughout the cooking time, if I'm feeling like it, I will switch those up. But I I think it's usually around eight to 10 hours that I'm drying fruit leather if I'm doing a really large stack. Okay. I bet someone who's never dehydrated would be surprised to hear that amount of time. That's kind of a long time. I mean, to me, that sounds perfectly reasonable. But if you've never dehydrated, it takes a while. Yeah. And you know, I'm just, I'm thinking that's about what it takes. Obviously, it's been a year since I've done any fruit leather just because we went through the winter, but I think it's between eight to 10 hours and just check it. Yeah. Okay. So how do you know when it's done? (laughs) Well, I like my fruit leather to be dried, but not crisp. I agree. So like, I want it to still have a little bit of bend I want it to be just a teeny bit tacky, but not like you can see your fingerprint when you touch it, right? Like I want it to be like probably like 90% dry. I feel like that's a shirt idea, like tacky like my fruit leather. (laughs) (laughs) That's a dorky uh, food joke. Uh, Fits it in a pillow. Yeah. Okay. And then what do you do? How do you store it? So I have a round dehydrator, like I said, and what I do is I will tear off a sheet of parchment that's as big as the circle of my dehydrator tray. I will gently peel off the fruit leather and it should come out in one giant wheel. And what I do is I put it right on that parchment paper and from one end to the other, I roll it up and then I take tape and I do like three different sections of the fruit leather. Cause it should be about mine is like 18 inches wide, probably. Yeah. So I cut it into three different sections. I used to do four when my kids were little, just because they wouldn't eat like all of, you know, a whole thing, but 
And then I take a serrated knife and I cut it up. And then I put those in a gallon size mason jar on the counter and the kids can just eat it kind of whatever they want. Genius. Okay. So have you ever tried storing them in any other way or is that just, that's the best way to do it? I try to store them in in an airtight container. I've done it before in, um, you know, like a Tupperware container or a Rubbermaid, but I just kind of like the look of them just Mm -hmm. all stacked in a gallon size mason jar. I don't know. Aesthetic, of course, sure (laughs) wins out, but really just anything that's airtight. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. If you're in the South, the humidity will mess with your dehydrated foods. So just make sure that you store them in an airtight container. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a great, great tip. You'll have very soggy fruit roll-ups before you know it. So I wanted to loop back and say the way you decide, like the way you're planning ahead to make fruit roll-ups while you're making jam is really, really genius. And I obviously need to adopt that practice. I always do it at the end when when I've basically ran out of oomph to can anymore and my fruit is getting too soft. I'm like, oh, okay, I can't can anymore. I'm tired. I'm going to make fruit leather at the end. That's always like my finale, which is dumb. I should do it at the same time because it it takes fruit roll-ups, guys, as you can tell. It's just you're making a smoothie and pouring it on the trays. You plug it in. And then it's just running in the background. It's very low work, very little effort, I feel like. And then you're sorting your, I like how you're using the softest fruit. That's really smart. You're using the softest fruit, which which in any kind of, if you're buying bulk fruit or any kind of large enough quantity that you're, you know, picking from someone's tree or gleaning or or making kind of big batches, you're going to have some that are pretty soft, right? That, that is what you should be using to make your, your roll-ups or your fruit leather, and then you're saving your firmest stuff for your jam. That's, that is smart money for sure. I should be doing that. But I just wanted to mention that if you, uh, if you just run out of time and effort, then you can just do it at the end too. Yeah. And inevitably, like during the growing season, I do that too, for sure. But at first, you know, when I've got all this energy and I'm ready to do things efficiently, I'm like, okay, now I'm going to separate these and, you know, do it that way. Okay. You're a pro at the spice and the flavoring combinations. What other like clever fruit combinations or fruit and spice combinations can you, can you give our listeners? What makes a great fruit leather? Ooh. So I personally feel like anything that you are going to make into a jam could possibly be good as a fruit leather. So like I make a strawberry coconut jam and So I will soften those strawberries, add a little bit of coconut extract, a little bit of honey maybe, Mm -hmm. and then blend that up. And it just gives it that like elevated flavor. I'm not sure that pepper jellies would be great in a fruit leather, but I do like adding. Oh, um, one thing that I did last year that was really good was I think it was strawberries. And then I added some shredded coconut at the top and it kind of gave it a little bit of a crunch and like some different texture. Yeah. I'm sure that was delish. So one of my favorite things to eat in the summertime is a good fresh pineapple sprinkled with cayenne and coarse salt. And how good would that be on a fruit leather? Like a little bit of heat and a little bit of salt. That is such a good treat. I love that. Like the super sweet and cold and the salt and the heat. That is such a good treat. I love it. And I bet that would be such a good fruit leather. 
Oh, sounds so good. There's so many good ideas. And I think you gave us some really, really good tips for how to get started and finish a batch of fruit leather. These are really great tips. Um, Do you have any other good ideas to give our listeners before we wrap up? I know that we have a dehydrator episode, but one thing to remember is that when you're choosing a dehydrator, try and choose one that has like 600 watts because that is what's going to power the fan underneath your heating element. So if you have a really strong fan, it's able to really circulate that air and then you won't have to dehydrate it as long. So you'll notice in these like higher end dehydrators, you won't be going for like you know, 12 plus hours, it will be a shorter cook time. Right. That that would be money well spent for sure. I, I agree. That's a that's good. A good tip. And just keep an eye out for one that has a temperature dial, not just low and high, then you would be able to do a lot more different types yes. of dehydrating with it, for sure, including jerky and, and other things. Yeah, exactly. Awesome. Okay, thank you, Anna, for sharing all of your great tips about fruit leather. Of course. That's our show. We don't want you to miss an episode, so please be sure to subscribe. If you found this episode helpful and informative, please give our show a rating and review. It only takes a few seconds and it really helps our show grow. Follow us on social media at Smart Home Canning and at The Domestic Wildflower. Email your preserving questions to perfectlypreservedpodcast at gmail.com and we will do our best to answer your questions on the show. Thanks so much for listening. Stay tuned for our next episode released every week.